We have entitled the series as a whole, Truth for Today, Hope for Tomorrow. Now there's one that fits that bill. Who is it? Jesus Christ, that's right. Truth for today, hope for tomorrow. And so it's our goal here to present Jesus to you and for you to get to know him a little better. We trust that that's going to happen. And so we want this series to be all about Jesus. Tonight as we start our study, Why So Much Suffering, let's bow our heads for a moment for prayer. Dear Father, we ask that tonight you would be with us through your Spirit. We know that this is an important topic. It's one of our favorites because it helps us to explain what you have done for us. Father, we ask that the message would be clear and according to your plan. Bless each one here in attendance. May we each hear what is meant for our heart. We thank you now in Christ's name. Amen. Why in the world is there so much suffering? I'm sure that you've all wondered that at one time or another. If God is so good, then why is there so much sickness, disease, and war? We've all wondered that, I know. Sorry to say, tonight there are some who do not even believe that God exists. Do you know anybody that way? either by word or by action, they don't believe that God exists. For a variety of reasons, they simply refuse to believe in or submit to the sovereign God, the God of the universe, our creator God. The Bible describes this as a... These folks do not simply choose not to obey God. It seems as though they would rather do as they please. Eventually, however, if we do as we please for long enough, then we eventually insist on what? Having our own way altogether, don't we? Have you ever been in that situation? We've all had kids like that, haven't we? (laughs) Maybe we were once kids like that. You know, the Bible describes a similar situation that occurred just like this in heaven. The Bible describes it as a battle between good and evil. A battle for the throne of God. It was literally a battle for the universe. But for us, it's important because it was a battle for your heart and for my heart. Tonight, let's go deep to the center of the universe. Just take a moment and start at the beginning of this battle. Let's go past the sun and the moon and the stars. Let's go out into deep space, into a place called heaven. Let me ask you, did the God of heaven create evil? Did he create the devil and his unrighteous angels. No, somebody's listening good. Is God responsible for all the suffering that we have on this planet? No way. No way. Absolutely not. The Bible teaches that God did not create anything or anyone that was evil. The Bible says that God created a beautiful angel, beautiful being named Lucifer. Many of you know that his name itself means what? Light bearer. Okay, and in fact, he was intended to be, in the beginning, heaven's light bearer. Here's what the Bible says about him. You, referring to Lucifer, were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. See, God had wonderful plans for him. He, Lucifer, was created to be a perfect angel of dazzling beauty. But this majestic angel insisted on having his independence from God. 
He coveted the authority that he did not have. He wanted to have his way for everything. He wanted everything that would please him. In short, he simply wanted to have his own way. So this is the saga of that fallen angel. And this is the start of the conflict between good and evil. The Bible describes Lucifer further in Isaiah, where it says, You've said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the God of the stars. I will be like the Most High. You see, God created a being of dazzling beauty and brightness. But Lucifer had his eyes on the throne of God. He rejected God's authority and he rejected God's law. He placed his own will, his own desire, his own opinions above that of the sovereign will of God. You see, in his heart, he simply wanted to be his own God. Lucifer's sin was that he rebelled against the majesty of heaven. We know him to be the creator of all things, God in heaven. He made his choices apart from God's will and set his opinion above God's authority. He effectively proclaimed himself to be another God. And here you see a little drawing, artist rendering of he's visiting with the other angels in heaven. Maybe we can, maybe we can't imagine what that was like. But you can see that war in heaven was inevitable, can't you? This can't exist in heaven with God. And today we know that the reason that there are wars on the planet earth is because there was first war in heaven. Sin on this earth is just the same as it was in heaven. Rebellion against God. When we sin, just like Lucifer, we choose to live apart from God's will. We sin when we place our desires, our will, our opinions above the will of the Creator God. You can see, friends, that the stake in this battle is very high. The very credibility of heaven is at risk. This is the cosmic struggle for the control of the universe. And as we mentioned earlier, it is a struggle for your heart and for my heart. It's a struggle for the control of each one of our lives and our wills and our desires and our hopes. Friend, I hope that you fully understand that your eternal life is at stake in this equation. The question we have to ask ourselves tonight is, why would God create a being like Lucifer with his capacity to choose to rebel in a manner with which he did? Well, here's the answer. God has given to each one of us the privilege and the power to what? To choose. That's right. If you take away the power of choice, then we take away the ability to love. You see, love can never be forced. It always must be chosen. Okay, and if you take away the ability to love, then we take away the opportunity to be happy. So you can see that happiness is really based upon our choice. And it is so important to make the right choices. Now, in the beginning, God created the angels to be models of perfection. This one doesn't look so happy, does he? You see, there was one angel that coveted God's throne. He chose to rebel against God. Can't understand why he wouldn't be happy, can you? <laughs> the Bible describes this uh, result of the rebellion. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. You see, there was a real battle in heaven. Some of the angels sided with Lucifer. Many of you know this story. They believed that God's laws were just too restrictive. So what happened? The great dragon was cast out. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan. 
he who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Found in Revelation 12. Now Satan is described as a serpent because he deceives. And he's described as a dragon because he destroys. Sorry to say Satan deceived one third of the angels of heaven. Sorry to say someday they will all be destroyed. Let me ask you tonight, in your heart of hearts, if one third of those angels in heaven were deceived, are you and I strong enough to fight the devil alone? We don't have a chance, do we? We don't have a chance on our own. As a result of this cosmic conflict, Jesus cast Satan out of heaven. And that's the good news part. Because every single time Jesus meets Satan, guess what? Jesus wins, Satan loses. Okay, whether he's fighting against Satan for the universe or whether he's fighting against your will. If you choose Jesus Christ, Jesus will win. So we need to remember that. Make good choices. Thankfully, someday soon, Jesus is going to do away with evil and the evil one forever. Well, how did this earth get involved? What a conflict to involve the earth in. How in the world did that happen? Well, the Bible describes this. He said, I saw, uh, Luke says, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. That was a fast fall, wasn't it? You see, Satan, the old destroyer, the old deceiver, was booted out of heaven. And where did he come? To this earth. So did God create this planet to be a dumping off place for Satan? What does the Bible have to say about this? The Bible tells us about a place called Eden. You ever think much about Eden? Must have been like a mini heaven. Beautiful place. Everything was perfect. The perfect garden home. I think you all would have enjoyed living there. I hope you're all planning on living in the new heaven, the new earth. Air was fresh and clean. Water was just as pure as crystal. The Bible says that Adam and Eve would have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. You see, it was Adam and not Satan that was to be given authority over the earth. God intended that Adam was to be the prince of this planet. But Satan came into the garden home as a great deceiver. Why was it that God just didn't program Adam and Eve's mind against this evil one? That might be what we would have chosen to do if we could program somebody's mind. But there was a reason why he didn't. Satan claimed that the government of God was unfair, it was restrictive, it was unjust. So you see, if God had not allowed Satan to tempt Adam and Eve, then Satan would have had a claim over on God. He would have said that God was afraid to admit that Satan's way was better. But a loving God gave Adam and Eve the power, the freedom to choose. And it's important for us to remember that he also gives us that very same power of choice. God allowed Satan to come to one specific tree in the Garden of Eden. Then God warned Adam and Eve to stay away from that tree. Sad to say, Eve was tempted and fell and entered into Satan's ground, into Satan's territory. And it was there that he tempted her. Satan said, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? In effect, he was saying to Eve, hasn't God given you the fruit of every single tree in the garden? Eve said, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, 
You shall not eat of it. Don't touch it or you will die. You see, it was a simple choice about a simple single tree in the center of a garden. Now, was this a difficult choice? It really wasn't. Have you ever fell for a simple thing like this? I have, sorry to say. This was not a difficult test. We all flunk these kind of tests. God had said they could freely eat of all the trees except for the one in the center of the garden. He said, don't eat from that one. This is an important point. You see, God's test was one of loyalty, one of obedience, and one of allegiance. Okay, loyalty, obedience, and allegiance. Sad to say, Eve listened to the serpent contradict God. Serpent said to her, you're not going to die. God knows that in the day you eat of this, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, and you'll know good from evil. You see, Lucifer himself, as we just said a few minutes ago, wanted to be like God. He wanted to make the laws, not to obey them. He wanted to command allegiance and not to be subservient. Satan, in effect, was saying, you can make your own rules. You're not going to die. Look at I'm a god myself. I do as I please. Now you can be your own god too. Go ahead, eat what you want. Do what you want, eat of the tree. And it was tempting. Right then and there, Eve rejected God's supreme authority on the spot. Her sin, just like your sin and mine, is rebellion against God. You see, she was placing her own desires, her own will, her own opinion above the will of God. And she, sad to say, as we do, reject God's authority. Friends, the devil is a deceiver. If we're on our own, he can whip us every time. We can't outfox him. He promises peace and joy and happiness, but he delivers sin. Sin delivers guilt and shame and fear. This is what Jesus said of Satan. He's a liar. He's the father of it. Satan lied to Adam and Eve then, and he's lying to us right here now in Sutherland. Men and women, boys and girls. He's telling us stories that's so big that we sometimes fall for them. The Bible says, Don't you know that whom you present yourselves to obey, that you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Paul wrote that in Romans 6. You see, before Adam and Eve sinned, God had given them dominion over the entire planet, all except for one tree in the middle of the garden. But when they sinned, they became slaves to the master of sin. And sorry to say, we've been suffering the consequences of sin ever since. So, sorrowfully and ashamed, Adam and Eve went out of the garden. Can you imagine the sadness, not only in their heart, but in the hearts of heaven at the time? I think it's indescribable. We can't imagine. Just think this is the first time in the universe, outside of Lucifer and his angels, but the first planet that had fallen for these tricks, the deceptions, the lies, and the destruction that Satan gave them hope that they would become gods and so forth. The first time they'd ever fallen for this. And the effects of the fall are right here before us. Joy, gladness, and happiness were replaced with sorrow, pain, tears, disappointment, and death. Anybody ever see those before? Boy, what a deal, huh? This magnificent world that God had created perfectly holy 
was now in deep trouble. Someone has said that this planet Earth was now a planet in rebellion. And we've been seeing the effects of this for many years. And now we know why. There is so much sadness and so much sorrow on this Earth. Planet Earth is a planet in rebellion against its own creator. The reason that there is death on this Earth is because our planet is separated from the very source of life. The Bible says that we have all sinned, come short of the glory of God. So it's like we're all guilty. Okay, We can't be pointing fingers at anybody else, can we? But oh, how we see the results of sin on our planet, the effects of sin. We heard this morning in our meeting, all the things that are going on on this planet that are signs of Christ's second coming. Jesus essentially wrote in the Bible, as time draws on, this planet is going to fall apart with all the problems that are going on in the last days. This planet will be falling apart. There's greed and lust and selfishness, self-indulgence, heartache, sorrow, and death. We even see some of that right here in Sutherland. About uh, right now, you're wondering the same question that the disciples had. Well, if God is so good, then why is this world so bad? In response, Jesus told his disciples a little story. Do you remember it? Jesus said there was a farmer who sowed only good seed. But, Jesus said, there were what? Also known as weeds. Now, right now, you have the opportunity to see your favorite weeds growing. In your yard, in your garden. They're growing like crazy. You know, today was such a beautiful day, you could just about hear the weeds growing. You know? Well, sometimes it's that way with the weeds of evil, sorrow and heartache too. They spring up and they grow pretty fast. And they all have different characteristics. You know, some of those weeds of sin are kind of round and fat. Some of them are tall and skinny. Some of them have deep roots. You ever notice that? Some of them are pretty superficial. They're all weeds. You want to get rid of all of them through the help of Jesus Christ. Don't grow any weeds in your garden. Don't harbor any weeds in your heart. Ask Him to help you with all of them. So Jesus said, the sower had sowed good seed. Of course, we know symbolically that Jesus Christ was the sower of the garden, the farmer. And so the servants came to this fellow and said, did you not just sow... Good seed in your field? They were wondering what was going on. Why in the world do we see weeds then? Jesus said to them, an enemy has done this. In other words, Jesus was saying, there is somebody working against us. Important concept. Every day, we have to remember, there is somebody working against us. In this Bible story, Jesus was the householder who sowed the good seed. Jesus had created a perfect planet. But through Satan's way of doing business, well, you know the results. We've just reviewed them. The world was plunged into sickness and sin and disease. You see, it is Satan who encourages independence from God. He wants us to rebel against the authority of our Creator God, the one who created us, the one who knows all about how we're put together, the one who wrote the manual for how we operate. He wants us to rebel against that person wants us to do things his way or do things our own way. I hope it's plain to see tonight that suffering and death are not of God's doing. It's clearly result, the result of Satan's rebellion against God. 
So, did God get angry and destroy this rebel planet? It's kind of surprising in a way that He didn't. Not really. But it might be a first thought that would come to your mind. Recall, He knew everything that was going to happen down here. And uh, boy, what a mess. Well, God had a plan. He had a plan because He loves us. Far more than we ever know anything about. How much does He love us? Jeremiah says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, God would not abandon the planet. He could not, because that's his way of doing things. Instead, he promised to send one who would save us from our sins. God promised a way of escape through Jesus Christ. And thankfully, Jesus Christ is always greater than our sin. Because of Adam's sin, this earth was placed under a death penalty. The planet in rebellion is a place that is under death penalty. We know from the Bible that the wages of sin is death. Christ reversed this death penalty to give us hope. That's why we say truth for today and hope for tomorrow. That's Jesus Christ from beginning to end. The hope of new life through his death on the cross was meant for you and I. You see, in order to save us, Jesus had to face Satan's temptations directly. He had to face them head on. And where Jesus resisted, Adam had yielded. But praise God, Jesus succeeded where Adam failed. Jesus successfully overcame every single temptation that Satan gave to him. And he reached out to us, his lost world, like a lost sheep. Recall Jesus' story? where the shepherd always goes looking for the one lost sheep. The Bible says in Luke, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's a pretty fantastic text, isn't it? Would you say it with me? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Isn't that a fantastic text? The sad fact of life in this universe, friends, is the penalty for rebellion is death. Christ lived a perfect life, the one that we should have lived. Jesus confronted Satan's head on. He struggled for you and I to the top of a hill where he died. He died that death that you and I should have died. The Bible says, read this with me. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. I know that you can see this is not simply a matter of saving the people of Sutherland or of Douglas County. Jesus died to save an entire planet that was doomed. Doomed to eternal destruction. When Jesus died, it was to redeem the entire planet, and He offered Himself freely for anyone and everyone. This was the greatest act of love the universe has ever seen. He died so that we, in this room, through Him, have the opportunity to choose eternal life. And this is why we consider that choice is the most precious commodity in this universe. Did you know that? Our choice is the most precious commodity in this universe. It's more valuable than anything else. No matter what you can think of, it is more valuable than anything else. The most precious commodity in this universe, choice. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise 
shared in the same. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Friends, the power of death has been broken by Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Is he a friend of yours? I hope you understand that Satan will do anything to keep you from knowing about him. He will do anything also to keep you from choosing Jesus every single day. doesn't matter. It might look good. might not. He'll throw anything at you just to keep you away from making a decision for Jesus. Remember, there is somebody working against you. Thankfully, there's somebody also working for you. Be certain that you choose Jesus every day. Christ's ultimate victory in the battle for your heart has already been settled on the cross. It was sealed right then and there for all of eternity. And today, Jesus Christ freely offers salvation to anyone who will come to him. He's non-discriminating. He loves everybody. And he wants you to be in heaven with him. Isn't that fantastic? That's almost unbelievable. But it's not. It is believable. Jesus says in Isaiah 49, Surely they may forget. I won't forget you. See, I've inscribed you in the palms of my hands. Jesus Christ says he will never forget us. Our names are written in the palm of his hands. Can you imagine your name? Sam, Nita, Colette, Kathy, Mary, written, written in the palms of the one who shaped the universe, who made the universe. Today we live in a world of sorrow and suffering, friends. Poverty, disease, sickness, broken homes, accidents, broken hearts. You all have experienced many of those. I know what happens to you too. Today, Jesus says this to you, my friend. I know what it's like to suffer. I know what it's like to be betrayed. Jesus says, I understand those hardships you're having, those heartaches, those difficulties. I came to this earth to live and to die for you, just so that you would understand how much I love you. And because, he says to you further, because I've overcome the pain and the suffering and sorrow, betrayal, hardship, all the challenges you can think of, and because I've overcome death itself, then you, by God's grace, can be an overcomer too. You can overcome a disastrous relationship, a bitter divorce. You can overcome financial difficulties, heartache and sorrow, hardships, unemployment, drugs, alcohol, illness, serious illness, and a complete lack of spirituality. You see, the resurrected Christ does more than simply understand your problems. He understands them, but he does more than that. He says, I want to change your life with my power and grace. Jesus understands us and he imparts strength and grace to meet our needs. One place in the Bible he says, in fact, my strength is perfect for your weakness. The Bible tells us we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness in this age and against spiritual Wickedness in high places, in heavenly places. Furthermore, Jesus says, this is a battle I already won. I'm thankful for that. Friends, I think you recognize that there's a battle raging in the universe tonight. There's a battle raging in Sutherland. There's a battle raging in Oregon. There's a battle raging everywhere you look, including in your heart. This is a battle for good and evil. It's a choice. A battle raging over your choice for eternal life. Thankfully, it's one day soon Jesus Christ 
will be here to end this conflict. In the meantime, we need to choose Jesus every single day. We can't battle the one who knocked off one-third of the angels in heaven. We don't have a chance against him. Why are we trying? Get to know Jesus. Jesus can handle him. Christ one day will fulfill heaven's rescue plan. Some of us think it's not too far away. He will return to destroy Satan once and for all. He's going to rescue the planet that he has redeemed. The Bible tells us about this in Revelation 19. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him. And he had written on his robe and on his thigh a name, King of King and Lord of Lords. Can you imagine it? Then Jesus, with millions, maybe billions of angels, will arrive at planet Earth to pick us up and take us home to be with him forever. That is going to be one fantastic day. Would you agree? Satan will be forever defeated. The earth will be made new just like the Garden of Eden. And all will be peace and harmony and love just as God intended it to be. I know you're looking forward to that day. Would you agree, citizens? Jesus would like to ask you a question then. Whose side are you on? What choices have you made? Jesus invites us. He invites you and me to make the choice to take his hand to live with him forever. It's almost an unbelievable thing if you stop and think about it. It's almost unbelievable that God of the universe, the one who made us, would come down here and die for us and then want to take us to be home with him forever. What a thing. The only way to survive the battle between good and evil, between Christ and Satan, friends, is by taking the hand of Jesus Christ. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against each other. We fight against the evil powers of the universe. And we don't stand a chance without Jesus. The power of Satan is just way too strong for us. I know I feel the weakness in my own heart. I suspect some of you do too. But I also know that where I am weak, Jesus is strong. Tonight, as we bow our heads and pray. There are many of us who are caught in the midst of a great battle between good and evil. We all feel the struggle inside, but today please choose to say, Jesus, I want to take your hand for sure. I know I'm not strong enough to fight this battle. Just now, I'm going to put all my trust in the strength of your powerful hand. Would you like to say that? Ask Jesus to hold us close through the storm that's here, through the storm that's coming. Please give us faith and patience to endure. If you would like to say, Jesus, today, beginning right this minute, I'm yours. Take my hand, dear Lord. Would you like to raise your hand right now? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, you've seen these hands, these faithful hearts, these folks, these loved ones who choose you. We pray that you and your wise and omnipotent way, the one who knows the needs of every single heart, the God who loves us with such enormous love that God, you would reach down tonight and minister to each one of us here this evening. We ask that our burdens would be lifted, that our cares would be assisted. Break the chains of circumstances, we pray, that shackle us. We give ourselves to you, Father, and we're so thankful to be on your side in the controversy between good and evil. We understand that we do not stand a chance without you. 
we thank we are thankful and we thank you father that we can leave this place tonight knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are placing our lives in your hand and are so grateful to do so father we thank you for hearing and for answering our prayer and we ask these things in christ's name amen